0: Of you may not know this about me, but I love to play games, especially video games. I've been a fan of video games my whole life since I was a little kid. Jen thinks it's kind of nerdy, but I just love it. I actually collect video game systems. I've got systems that are as old as Atari and as new as the PlayStation 4. I mean, games can be fun, games can be fulfilling, and games can also be very frustrating. And today, I want to talk to you about the games that people play. There are three destructive games that people play. And if played, they end with only losers and no winners. Today, I want to identify the three games that the enemy would have us play and learn how we can be winners over losers. Where you are, I just want to pray over the Word today. So, Father, we love you. We thank you for this day, and we thank you for your Word. God, I pray that it would speak to us, that it would encourage us, and that it would challenge us. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so let's talk about three different games that the enemy would have us to play. Number one, if we're going to beat the game, the first one is this. It's the fame game. Write down the word fame. Now, every year, thousands of people, they move to Los Angeles, California, because they have a dream to become famous everybody wants to sing or act or to be seen on tv to be on the radio to be in the magazines to be famous online everybody's got a dream to be famous yet statistics would say that only two percent of people who actually chase the dream of fame in hollywood actually make it actually make a living being an actor ninety percent of different actors say they spend most of their time out of work more than they do actually working. Yet, we will still go through the, the hoops and go through all the pain and all the disappointment and all the hard work to chase the dream of being famous. Now, I also know that many of us think about fame in the terms of being seen on TV. And I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, I'm not, I'm not moving to Hollywood. I'm not looking to be on the cover of a magazine. I don't want to be on TV or on the movie screen. But where we think of fame as being an external condition, really it's an internal condition. It's something from inside of us that has a desire to please ourselves. It's a selfish game. Another way to say this that may be even better is it's our motive. This desire of fame and to be known and to achieve, a lot of it comes from our motives, what drives us. So I would ask you this morning, what is it that drives you. See, it's important because your passion determines your pleasure. What it is that you're passionate about today often determines the pleasure in which you receive. And that's important because your passion determines your prayers. See, when you become passionate about something, it determines the pleasure that you receive. And most of us, when we receive pleasure, we want more of that pleasure. There are these, these things that go off in our brain that says, I want more of that. You need to give me more of that. I want to be provided with more because that makes me happy. Unfortunately, that's how people become addicted to different types of substances. There's something that happens inside of them chemically that puts a signal to the brain that says more and more and more, never knowing when to quit. Now, our motives today what motivates you to go to work? What motivates you on that job? Is it the money? Is it the, is it the prestige? Is it the title? Is it the placement of your, of your job? What is it that motivates you to put the kids in, in sports? What is it that motivates you to say the words that you say or bring the actions that you bring? The motives of our heart, that fame game, is is a game that the enemy wants all of us to play. Notice what the Bible says in James chapter 4, verse 3. It says, You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly. If you're taking notes and you can, I want you to underline that word wrongly. To spend it on your passions. So you ask from God, yet you don't receive from God. Many of us, we pray and we say things like, Well, it only got worse or God didn't show up, my prayer hasn't been answered, I didn't get what I wanted. Often it is because the motive of our life, the Bible says, we are asking wrongly to spend it on our passions. So today, what's motivating you, what's driving your life, often determines the pleasure you get out of it. If the motive of my life is to reach God, is to please Him, is to live for Him, then I get that out of it. I love to play games, and I love to play different types of games. And we play games to win. We play for bragging rights. We choose to play what we enjoy, and we skip what we don't. We like to get the high scores, and we like our initials to be marked with a high score for everybody to see. We like to achieve our lives are a lot like the games that we play and i need to understand that if my motives are selfish then things that should be fulfilling will always leave me unfulfilled many of you today you're chasing all of these different things you're chasing a bigger house a better car a better neighborhood more money in the bank more advancement on your job. You're, you're chasing all of these things and, and we're all so guilty of it because we're chasing the passions or the motives of our heart. The enemy saying, if you would just play the fame game. But the things that should be bringing you fulfillment only leaves you unfulfilled. And Today it's a great moment to just take inventory of your life and say, am I playing the fame game? Now I know what some of you think because We love Jesus and we say, well, that's just for people that don't know the Lord. That's just for the people that are out there and they're in Hollywood or they're doing this or they're doing that. It doesn't really apply to me. But notice what the Bible says in Matthew chapter 7, verse 22 and verse 23. This is a really, really important verse of Scripture. It's a sobering verse of Scripture because it says, On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name, we cast out demons in your name, and we perform many miracles in your name. But check out verse 23. It says, but I will reply. This is the Lord speaking. I will reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's law. It's a real sobering verse of Scripture because the Bible literally says, there will be people that will stand before the Lord that will say, God, I did this, and I did this, and I did this for you. Miracles took place because of what I did for you. But then the Lord would look at them and say, Depart from me. I never knew you. Why is that significant and why is that important? Because even though in the midst of our doing, often the motive can be because of what we want to gain. Do we serve the Lord from what we're gaining from that relationship? Do we do for other people because we want to be seen? What is the motive of my heart? See, it's not about the external, the way we think about what fame is all about. It's about the internal and what's going on inside of my heart. Don't let the enemy fool you today. It's cultural Christianity. That verse of Scripture is an incredible picture of the cultural Christianity that we have today, where we want the Lord as our Savior, but maybe not as the Lord of our life. Jesus, I'm good with you because I prayed that prayer and I checked that box and I attend church online or in person. And so now I've got the ability to go to heaven, right? But internally, my heart hasn't changed. My life hasn't changed. The motives of my life are still pushing me to achieve for my own enjoyment, my own passion, and my own pleasures. So maybe you're confused today going, well, I don't know if that's me. Well, here's a few key questions that I think are important that you could ask yourself. If no one ever knows what I am doing, your giving and your serving and your sacrifice, your generosity, would you continue to do it? If nobody gave you an applause, if nobody commended you, if nobody put your name in spotlights, if nobody said good job, if nobody posted about you on social media, If no one recognized what you're doing for the Lord or for other people, would you continue to do it? Another great question is, if there was no tangible payoff for doing this, would I still do it? In other words, if there was nothing in this life, in the here and the now that you receive from what you do, would you continue to do it? If it was only about the kingdom and about eternity, would you continue to do what you do? If I had to suffer for continuing to do what God has called me to do, would I continue doing it? That is such a sobering question that I want you to consider today. If we had to suffer for serving God, for being believers, for sharing in the the, the message and the hope and the life of Jesus, would you continue to do it? There are many people in other parts of the world today that are suffering because of their faith. Here in America, we haven't we haven't experienced that. But today when we're considering the games that the enemy would have us to play, and the fame game that everything is about us, and everything is focused on us, and everything is about our gain and ourselves. If my motives aren't pure, I'll find myself bailing out when times get Tough. Another one, if those who I'm serving now never show gratitude or repay me in any way, would I still do it? If those I'm serving with, those on my team, those people that are around me, if they never showed gratitude or appreciation, would I give up and say, well, nobody cared about what I was doing. Nobody recognized it. Nobody saw the value in it. Well, that's unfortunate, but we do it for an audience of one, and that's to serve Jesus. Just one more question. Do I judge my success or my failure based on my faithfulness to what God has asked me to do or how I compare with others? I have to be transparent with you this morning. That's a question I have to ask myself a lot. Because I want to live my life on purpose and I want to fulfill everything God's called me to do. And there are times in my life where I stop and I get discouraged and I look around and I say, God, what am I doing wrong? Why am I not able to see everything that I know that you want to see through my life? But I have to not focus on what someone else is doing. I have to be faithful in what God has called me to do. I can't get wrapped up in playing the fame game. And I want to encourage you today. Check your motives and check your heart behind the decisions you're making and the way that you're living. So here's the application. How do we beat the fame game? I want you to write this down. Monitor your motives. Monitor your motives. How do we beat it? How do we get past the fame game? How do we make sure that everything's in check? You monitor your motives. Listen to what the Bible says in Galatians 5 and 16. It says, But I say, walk by the Spirit. That's important. Underline the word Spirit. The Holy Spirit. Walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify, check this out, the desires of the flesh. When you walk by the Spirit, you won't gratify the desires of the flesh. In other words... When the Holy Spirit guides my life, He'll keep my motives in check. He'll make sure that the decisions that I'm making are based on God's best for my life and for good of other people and not just consuming for me. The Holy Spirit helps you monitor and maintain your motives. Ask the Holy Spirit today to help you and to guide you. And this morning, as we're talking through this content, and maybe you're going, wow, I feel like, Maybe my motives are out of balance. And I've been praying for things and I've been using God for this this get-rich-quick or this genie in the bottle. And you didn't even tend to be doing it. But today you've recognized it. Let the Holy Spirit guide you to help you maintain and monitor your motives. Number two, there's another game that the enemy would have us to play. And we are all so good at this one. It's the blame game. Every one of us are good at playing the blame game. I like to play games with Asher, my four-year-old, and he's getting to that point now where he enjoys playing games. He can control our video game systems at home. He can cut the Nintendo 64 on. He plays the old-school Super Nintendo, and he can control all of that on his own. And sometimes I'll watch him play, and when he's not winning, He'll blame the game or he'll blame uh, the controller. He'll blame something as the reason that it, it's not right. I like to play games with him. And, and if I don't you know, always give him the ability to win, he gets frustrated at me. He'll say, Dad, you're doing it wrong. Dad, you're not supposed to do that. Dad, don't do that, even though I'm doing the objective of the game. But if he doesn't win and he's not successful at the fame game, He then moves into the blame game. We are all so good at this. We blame the Republicans. Come on now, I know this is is in our face. This is like right where we are, especially in this season of life. We like to blame the Republicans. We like to blame the Democrats. We'll blame the President. We'll blame our boss. We'll blame our spouse. We'll find somebody to blame. It's a preservation of ourselves. We don't want to admit when we have a shortcoming, when we have a failure, when we have a place in our life that's just not quite mature. But you know, this is not uncommon. God knows that we're this way. God knows that because of sin and the fall of man that we do this. As a matter of fact, famous story in the Bible, maybe you've heard about it, Adam and Eve. They're the first ones to do it. Notice what Scripture says in Genesis 3, through 13. God says, have you eaten from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat? And the man replied, I love it. It was the woman you gave me who gave the fruit to me and I ate it. So immediately, it's it's Eve's fault. Then the Lord asked the woman, what have you done? And I love this. She says, the serpent deceived me, she replied. That's why I ate it. There's always this shift of the blame. And sure, maybe we can find some reasons to cast it over there. Maybe there's some reason that we could find to legitimize the blame that we have in our life. Right now, I would say that the Holy Spirit is probably already prompting some things inside of you that you have put blame on someone. We do it culturally. You think about the things we do in our culture. Think about the headlines that you read. Think about the things that you're seeing on Facebook and all the social media posts right now, the conversations that you overhear. The other day, it was funny, uh, Jen and I were in a store shopping and we all had our mask on because it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's an order and everyone is, is taking care of each other and we had our mask on. And, and inside this particular store, there is a massive sign on the doors that says, you must wear a mask. And this particular lady was a few people behind us, and we just overheard their conversation. And everyone in the store has a mask on but this one woman. And I hear, overhear her say to the lady just standing with her in line that she did not know that she was talking to. And she said, well, I didn't know I was supposed to wear a mask. She said, I don't have cable TV. And out of all the media consumption we have, she didn't have cable TV, so she did not know she was supposed to wear a mask. I'm sure she's not on social media. I'm sure she doesn't have the internet. I'm sure she doesn't have a newspaper. I'm sure she couldn't read the sign on the front of the door. But the blame game, I don't have cable. Therefore, I didn't know. We're good at this as a culture. Check this out. If someone shoots someone with a gun in this culture, we blame the gun. We overlook the person who pulled the trigger. And the intent to harm someone, and we say it's the gun's fault. Get rid of the gun. If someone drives drunk and has an accident, we blame the bartender who should have been responsible enough to stop serving drinks. We blame the bartender instead of saying that that one individual should have had enough willpower in themselves, not to put themselves in that scenario. If we're late for work, come on, everybody knows this one. You're late for work. So you blame the traffic, right? Not to mention you got up late and that you were running late when you left the house, but the traffic was the fault. If our kids are disrespectful, we just blame the TV. They're watching that TV and they're learning all this stuff from the TV as if we're not parents and we can't turn it off and it's not in our house. Point is, it's it's in our nature to blame someone else. And I fear that when the enemy has us to play these games, All we're doing is suppressing the greater issues of our life. The fame game says to get for my desire. And then when we find unfulfillment in many areas, we start to blame other people. So what's the application? How do we beat the blame game? Check this out in Galatians 6 and 7. It says, do not be misled. God cannot be mocked. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you you plant. I just believe that for many of us, not in every occasion, but for many of us, we are sowing seeds in the fame game. And we're finding that the harvest is not what we anticipated it to be. So we begin the blame game that the enemy wants to play. And because we've sowed seed that was not healthy, we're reaping things that are not healthy in our life. And I think there's two questions that you can ask yourself to to know if you're in in this place. And the first one is this, is what do I see? Maybe you want to write that down. What do I see? What is it I'm blaming others for? Just stop right now and take an account of your heart. Ask the Holy Spirit to help you because He'll help you maintain those motives. What are you blaming people for? What is it that people are catching the blame for in your life that they're not responsible for? Well, my parents did this. Well, my siblings did this. Well, I was treated this way in school. My boss did this. The world's not fair. The society, our culture's not fair. We can find some reason to blame everybody for everything. So what is it that I see? And then find yourself going, is that a true fair blame that I've cast on someone else? The second question I think is this, is what did I sow? Evaluate the actions of your motives. Did you reap negative because you sowed negative? Did you reap sinful consequences because you sowed a sinful seed? Many times it's at our own fault. It's at our own doing. I recognize today that not everything is your fault. I recognize today that all of us are in, have been, or experienced circumstances that you did not create on your own. And they are harmful and they are hurtful. And so you're asking yourself the question, what do I do because I didn't cause this? I didn't create this. Many of us are tempted to blame God because God knows all. And so we think if God was good, he wouldn't let this happen to me. But I want to encourage you in something today. Right where you are, you've got control of your actions. You've got control of your motives that drives every decision that you make. And the Bible says that greater is He living in us than he who is in the world. You and I are overcomers because of the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit living in our life. God is more powerful than your problems. So wherever we are, just put the brakes on the blame game and put all of your trust and your faith in the Lord. So the fame game leads us to seek out our own desires the blame game cast it all around when we're not receiving what we thought we should be receiving and the third and last game is the shame game this is where you this is this is where we hit rock bottom the Bible says there is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus if there's no condemnation from the Lord then why do we feel so condemned the shame game It's not guilt. Guilt is is, is something that we feel after an immediate reaction. It's a reaction of an immediate action. So if you do something wrong and you feel guilty, you get it immediately. Shame is different. Shame is that internal thing that hides in the dark, that makes you feel less than, makes you feel worthless, makes you feel like a loser, like you'll never overcome it, you'll never get better. The, the, The shame is what hides down deep. Shame is like a fungus that grows while hiding in the dark sometimes shame is cast on us when when we didn't even ask for it i mean it can come from anywhere uh you know i'm not a sports fan but i read a story once that i thought was interesting i actually saw it on social media back in 2015 at an arizona diamondbacks game uh, there were some girls that got caught on camera they were all taking selfies there's like five or six seven girls and they're all taking selfies so many selfies i mean there's selfies with their food selfies and with each other funny faces and and the, and the announcers of the game are actually making fun of these girls on television. And so social media starts blowing up about how, how they're, they're, all they're into is their selves and they're self-absorbed and they're only worried about how famous they can be on Instagram. They're not into the game at all and kids in, in 2015, and they just start just giving these girls a hard time only to find out that they were actually taking selfies because it was a competition that had been announced over the loudspeaker at the game. It was a selfie competition. They came over the loudspeaker and said, everybody take a selfie and, and submit it to this. And that's what the girls were doing. Yet nobody saw the full picture. And they were so quickly casting shame on them that they didn't even ask for Maybe you've experienced that in your life. Many of us have played that fame game to leave us empty, the blame game to try to find a reason, and we're carrying that shame walking in the dark. Maybe today you feel isolated, alone, or depressed, or empty. And you don't know how you got there. You don't even know why you feel that way. Well, maybe it's because the enemy has brought games into your life. And without even knowing it, you've been playing all alone. So maybe today the enemy would say, don't worry about what everybody else is doing. What's the motive of your heart? And maybe the enemy would say stop blaming everybody else even if they had a hand in it and stop carrying the shame that that has been cast on you or as a result of things that you've done or you've walked through. So what's the application today? Let me give it this. How do we beat the shame game? John 15 and 5 says this, Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them, notice this, He says, will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Remember, we talked about the Holy Spirit produces in our life. He'll help us maintain those motives. The Holy Spirit's guiding and directing us. And it's a reminder from, from Jesus that says, hey, remain in relationship with me. Because if you remain in relationship with me, you will produce good things. And I fear that maybe some of us today have just been disconnected from the Father. See, shame has really two conflicting ideas. The first thing about shame is it says you need to isolate. You need to hide. Don't let anyone know how you feel. Don't let anyone know what you're going through. Remember we say this a lot. Isolation is the enemy's playground, and that's where the enemy wants to bring shame. But then the other conflicting attribute is shame needs to be communicated. It needs to be exposed in the light if you're going to expel it from your life. So if you're dealing with shame today, let me tell you, the enemy has tried to isolate you in your own feelings. And today the Lord would say, Reconnect to me. Bring it to Him. Bring it to God. Bring it to light. And I would say, bring it to somebody that you trust that you can talk to here and now. It's the games people play. That fame game that ultimately leads us to the blame game that makes us walk in the shame game. But I believe that today because of the power of the Holy Spirit we can beat the game. And I want to pray for you right where you are. I I would encourage you just just to bow your head right where you are. Don't let any distraction overcome. You don't let a distraction get you in this moment because I believe the Lord wants to speak to your heart today. You've been walking and dealing with some of this and you don't you didn't know why life seems so out of reach or out of sorts, but today after just walking through some of this, we maybe we recognize together that the enemy's been playing some games in your life. And today's your day. And I would say this if you're watching and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, today's your day. I want to encourage you to to make a decision in your life, the greatest decision you could ever make, and that's to say yes to Jesus. I want to pray for you. And then maybe you're watching and you immediately recognize that you've been dealing with some of those other areas of your life. And today I want to pray for you that God would help us to overcome those. Let's pray. Father, I love you. I pray that today, Father, if there's one person watching that doesn't have a relationship with you, that, Father, you would speak to their heart today, encourage them, God, to give their heart and their life to you. We recognize we have sin in our life, and we've gotten it wrong, but today we bring that to you, Jesus, and we confess that we can't do it without you. We ask that you just forgive us of our sin. We dedicate our heart, and we dedicate our life to you. Thank you for... Forgiveness Today, Jesus, my life will never be the same. And God, I pray for every one of my friends who are just struggling in some area of their life today. Maybe they're chasing everything and they found that their motives are out of whack. Maybe some of us are blaming everybody, trying to find some sense of peace to all the problems that are in our life. And maybe some of us are walking so far in shame that we never feel like we'll overcome. But today, Jesus, because of your word, we know we have hope and we have life in you. And I pray that today you begin to heal every person, God, from from every situation and every circumstance that you would do what only you can do in their hearts and in their lives. Today, Father, we celebrate you and we thank you for the life change that you bring. In Jesus' name, amen.